Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. everyone. It's good to be with you again in the house of faith. We trust the Lord will truly minister to all of us this morning. And so thank you, Marion, for um, advertising this event. Thank you, Apostle Jim and Pat, for hosting us and welcoming us always. When we are here, we truly love and appreciate you. The theme of our seminar this morning is called Realities of Faith. And the first teaching that I will be doing, if you're taking any notes, you may want to write at the top of your notes, we're going to talk about faith's development. Faith's development. I would like to give a brief introduction to this workshop this morning, how all this came about, so that I can bring you into the train of thought that I have been for the last three, four months. For a few months now, I would say three and a half to four months, my heart has been stirred and challenged by the Spirit of God to take a closer look at the subject of faith. I have lived by faith ever since I got born again. I have seen God do some wonderful things in our life, in our ministry, in our children's lives. But somehow the Spirit of God began to stir my heart to take a closer look and study in depth once again the subject of faith. And I did this knowing that if I desire to experience a greater manifestation of God's goodness in my life and in my ministry, I needed to exercise a greater measure of faith than the one I have operated on in the past. Because the law of the Bible is, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. So this journey of study and discovery began, and I was drawn, how this came about was that I was drawn to a particular passage of scripture in the book of Exodus. When Moses, on the top of the mountain, is having an intimate, passionate conversation with God. And I want to read this conversation to you, taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 33, verses 12 through to 14 and 16 through 19. Exodus 33, 12 through to 14, 16 through 19. 
Then Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way, that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. And so the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses said, Please show me your glory. Then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. I was drawn to this passage of Scripture, but particularly the request, the passionate plea that came out of Moses' heart in the conversation that he had with God. The King James translation says it this way, I beseech thee. Yes. That's a very strong word. It wasn't a casual request. It was a passionate plea. Show me your glory. And immediately God responds and he said to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will declare the name of the Lord. I realize that in the mind of God, the glory of God and the goodness of God is one and the same. When Moses said, show me your glory, God said, I will cause all my goodness pass before you and I will declare the name of the Lord. And I realized this. Based on what Jesus said to Martha, remember what he said to her? In John's Gospel, chapter 11, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? If you would believe, you would see the glory of God. So I realized that if I wanted to see the glory of God and the demonstration of His goodness, I needed to engage my faith and believe God in a way that will release His supernatural power, demonstrating His goodness in my life and in the life of those I minister to. The psalmist also said in Psalm 27 verse 13, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
The psalmist said, I would have lost heart. I would have fainted. I would have been discouraged. I would have been depressed. I would have been a goner unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. If you and I desire to see the goodness of the Lord in our everyday lives, it is imperative that we understand how to believe God. How to engage and exercise our faith in such a way where God's power, God's goodness will be released and demonstrated in our everyday lives. And so the things that I'll be sharing with you in this session are the things that I have learned on this journey in the last three and a half to four months. I've learned some new things about faith that I didn't know. I will be speaking about that. So it is my prayer that the eyes of our understanding this morning will be enlightened so that we may see And hear things that will enhance our faith and somehow complete that which is lacking in our understanding on the subject of faith. Paul the Apostle writing to the um, uh, Thessalonian believers, he says, Night and day I pray exceedingly for you that I may see your face so that I can complete that which is lacking in your faith. There might be gaps in our faith, and there are gaps in all of our faith. And we need to fill those gaps so that we can see the demonstration of God's goodness and God's glory and God's power released and demonstrated in our everyday lives. So for the rest of the session, we're going to speak about the development of our faith. How to develop your faith. Just as your mind and my mind can be educated and developed, and just as our bodies can be strengthened and developed, even so our faith can be strengthened and developed. And I heard the Lord clearly at the beginning of the year speaking to my heart, challenging me. And instructing me to teach his people how to develop and how to exercise their faith where the goodness of God is concerned. The reason being is that God has so much more for us than we presently experience. Much more. I believe we barely scratched the surface. And in order for us to receive more from God, we need to learn how to believe for more. Because we often limit it with our negative talking and negative thinking. One of the fundamental principles of the Bible is that Whatever we receive from God is proportionate to our believing, to our faith. Jesus said, according to your faith, 
he said to the two blind men, I think, be it unto you. So it's according to your faith that God will work. Or rather, you will be able to receive what God has already provided for you. Jesus also said in Matthew 21 and verse 22, And all things, notice the all things, all things are all things. Spiritual, emotional, natural, physical, financial. All things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer. Here's the condition. Believing you shall receive. It would have been nice if he left that word believing out. (laughs) Amen. But he said believing you shall receive. His desire for us I believe is that we we, we we don't live below our rights and below our privileges, but to fulfill our potential in the Lord and bear much fruit for His glory. Here is a verse of Scripture that I have been challenged a great deal in the last three months. Ephesians 3.20 God is able... There's nothing wrong with God. No. <laughs> You know, some some believers, the way we pray, you would think that something is wrong with God. God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. And most people stop there. That's not the whole verse. According to the power that works in us. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you and I ask or imagine, but it is according to something. According to the power that is at work within us. Now that power that works in us, in all of us, is called faith. Faith. Therefore, developing our faith in God's goodness and faithfulness is the most important thing that we will ever do in this life, on this side of heaven. Developing your faith is the most important thing you will ever do on this side of heaven. The faith of the believer that is developed will release him to the highest place and will enable him to fulfill his potential to the utmost. Your faith will take you places nothing else will. Your faith will open doors that nothing else will. Your faith will release the favor of God on your life like nothing else will. The word develop means to bring out the capabilities or possibilities of. It also means to bring to a more advanced or effective state. It also means to cause to grow or expand like you develop 
one's muscles. All of us have received from God, according to the Scriptures, the same measure of faith. God did not give more to one than to another. And Romans 12, verse 3 confirms this. For I say, through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, that is among the church, not talking about unbelievers, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. It's the same measure. This measure of faith we have received at the time of our rebirth as we committed our lives to the Lord and confessed Jesus as Lord. And the faith that we have received, according to the Scriptures, is the faith of the Son of God. The same faith. Mark 11.22 puts it this way. It is the God kind of faith. It is not natural faith. It is not human faith. It is a supernatural measure of faith. The same faith that Jesus walked by when he walked here on the earth. And I'll prove it to you. You know, some of us may be hard to believe that. But listen to what the scriptures say. Paul confirms that in his epistle to the Galatians. Galatians 2.20 he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He didn't say faith in the Son. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know that within your spirit dwells the faith of the Son of God? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead indwells us. It is the same faith that Paul operated in and lived by. It is the same faith that the Apostle Peter And all the other apostles received and lived by the same faith. Paul, Peter confirms this in his epistle that say, he says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. Like, that means the same faith that we have received. The the Living Translation says it this way. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. You see that? No different. The question then we need to ask is this. It's a very important question. How come they lived such an extraordinary life, demonstrated such power, which was accompanied by signs, wonders, and miracles, while most of us who have the same precious faith struggle to keep our heads above water. Have you ever asked that question? I have. 
Our lives are filled with so many ups and downs, fears, weaknesses, oppression, depression. While we have the same, the same measure of faith Amen. that operated in these apostles. It's a good question, isn't it? Yes. Well, I believe I have, I have an answer. Maybe not all the answers, but some of them. There are two reasons for this. One is that we don't really have a revelation of what we have received. We don't know. The only difference between the early disciples and us modern marshmallow Christians is that they had such a revelation of the great plan of salvation. They had such a revelation of the love of God. They had such a revelation of who they were in Christ. And this revelation caused them to sing and praise God running to their deaths. Because they knew what they had. The second reason is that we have not learned how to cooperate with the measure of faith. We have not learned how to develop and work with our faith as they had. Because we have become comfortable, complacent, and just plain lazy when it comes to exercising our faith. That's, That's the honest truth. We are lazy, comfortable, complacent when it comes to developing our faith. I believe that faith is developed by feeding it on the Word of God and exercising it. Not just feeding it, but exercising it. We may read or hear the Word now and again, but we don't really feed the way we should on the Word of God. Jesus said that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust for other things entering into our hearts and minds choke the very word and we become unfruitful. I mean, God said to Joshua back in the old covenant, remember what he said to him? One instruction. He gave him one instruction. Here is Joshua stepping into the shoes of Moses. It wasn't an easy task. He could have told him 101 things to do, but he didn't. He just said to him one thing. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but therein you will meditate day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now, in the New Testament language, Paul said it this way. Colossians 3.16 Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I personally believe that it is more difficult for us today to develop our faith or exercise our faith than it was for the saints of old. And I'll explain why. They didn't have to deal with what we are dealing with 
in our world today. Meaning, they didn't have all the amenities we have today or the conveniences we have today. You see, the world is giving us so many choices, so many alternatives, so many substitutes. Why go to God and talk to Him about your situation or trust Him with anything or search His Word to find out what He says or what He thinks about your situation when there are so many other choices and alternatives and substitutes that the world has provided for us? Why trust God to supply your need, believe God for your need, when you can go to any bank today and borrow money? They make it so easy. They beg you to give you money. Or you go and buy now and pay later. Why do you have to trust God or believe God for a supply of what you need to go get what you want if, if, if you can do it the easy way? That's why I said to you, it's more difficult. It will take more, a more conscious decision for us today to develop our faith. Because we have so many choices. You see, the more you have, the less you depend on God. But the less you have, the more you depend on God. Why go to God when you feel depressed or anxious? When you can just take a tablet to calm you down and, and help you sleep. I mean, your, your television, we've been watching some television while we're here. It is filled with advertising drugs. Take this, take that. And then they give you a list, a whole list of side effects. Possible heart failure. Heart palpitations. Why in the world would you want to take the drug if there's so many side effects? You, you Americans have a pill for everything. <laughs> to develop our faith, we need to constantly and daily look to the Lord Jesus, who is the developer, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. We've got to turn away from man and man's ways. And man's solutions. And man's wisdom. So that we can put both of our eyes on the Lord. Not having one eye on the world. And on its system. And one eye on God. It won't work. That's why we double minded. <laughs> Hebrews 12 two says. Looking unto Jesus. Who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Jesus is the one who develops your faith. But he won't do it unless we look to him, depend on him, trust in him. And if we are to fully, fully develop and perfect our faith, we must constantly look to him. For everything. For small needs and big needs. How do we do this? How do we look to Jesus? Well, it's very simple. Jesus is the Word of God. We do so by going to the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. He's the living Word of God. The, the Father has given us the written Word to unveil the living Word, which is the Lord Jesus. 
We will never be able to do that unless we cut off ties with the world and its systems and all the substitutes that the world presents us today. It's going to take a quality decision from each and every one of us who has a desire to develop their faith. It won't just happen automatically. It will take a conscious decision from us. Now, in Jeremiah 2.13, says it this way, New Living Translation. God is speaking through His prophet, and He says, My people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, one, the fountain of living water, and two, they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. What are these crack systems he's talking about? He's referring to the world's alternatives or substitutes they offer to us. Developing our faith will require us to trust and depend only on God and God alone for everything. It will require us to forsake all and follow Jesus with an undivided heart. Now, that's not easy to do. We cannot have one eye on God and one eye on the world and expect our faith to be developed the way the early disciples developed it. You see, we are so used and so accustomed to going elsewhere instead of God. We go to God as the last resort instead of going first to Him. We are so accustomed, so used to going to the world to meet our needs that we find it difficult to go to God and really trust Him with our needs. We have marriage counselors today. We have psychologists, psychiatrists, host of others we can talk to. Why go to God and share your heart with Him? When you can go and sit on the couch and see somebody and Tell him how you feel. You know, in the early days of our marriage, we had problems. Man, we, were, we had a, a rocky, shaky marriage. But I remember, I would go into my prayer closet. I would shut the door and open my Bible and pour out my heart to God. And God would give me wisdom. He would show me what to do, what not to do. And by the way, he never took my side. (laughs) And that's how I learned to develop my faith and hear his voice. You know, I remember in in the early days, a member of the church asked me, and he says, we don't ever see you going to the pastor. What do you do? And we know you have problems. We know what you've been going through, the persecution and all of those things. And when I said to him, well, I go to God and I talk to him. He was taken aback. He was shocked. But that's how I learned to pour my heart out to God. That's how I learned to hear his voice, to receive his wisdom. And to navigate through all of those challenges that I was facing. And that's what I still do. In our church... The buck stops with me. They all, Dad, what do you think? This and this and this. Dad has to provide solutions. Sometimes on purpose I say, well, go to God. Talk to him about it. 
You know, I remember Anna when I was discipling her. Oh, and she said, you're going so far away. Who's going to teach me? Who's going to disciple? I said, well, go to God. Go to God. Learn to talk to her. That's how she learned to hear God's voice. And today she's strong. Amen. How are we going to learn to fellowship with God, to hear his voice, if we don't ever go to him? So many marriage counselors. I'm not saying to go to a counselor is wrong. But we have more divorces now within the church with all of the things that we have going for us. And marriage seminars and premarital counseling and all of those things. And yet we have more divorces than we've ever had. Because people don't haven't learned to go to the source of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and receive from Him that which we need to sort out our problems and overcome our challenges. Why trust God for a headache when you take a pill? Is it wrong? No. But if we don't learn to develop our faith in the little things, how are we going to tackle cancer? If we can't receive healing for a headache. Come on. When are we actually going to get on our faith and start exercising it? Amen. Amen. Well, you may argue with me and say, well, this is too radical. It is. It is radical. When many of the disciples of Jesus walked away from him because he said something that offended them. He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. And they misunderstood and they got offended and walked away by the droves. Hundreds and thousands of them walked away. So the twelve remain and Jesus turns around and says to them, do you also want to go? Peter piped up and said, to whom shall we go? In other words, we have nowhere else to go. (laughs) I mean, we burned all of our bridges behind. We have left everything and followed you. Actually, they didn't have a choice. He said, you have the words of eternal life. There was nothing to go back to because they burned every bridge. They couldn't go back. And that's what you and I need to do. We need to burn our bridges that plugs us into the world system. We've got to unplug from them. Amen. And if we, if we desire to develop our faith, we're going to have to do the same. Someone once said, I've never been able to forget this. If you depend on an alarm clock to wake you up in the morning, it'll hinder your faith. Amen. How many of you using alarm clocks? Otherwise you won't wake up. Why don't you trust the Lord to wake you up at the right time? I haven't used an alarm clock for years. And I'm never late. Ask my wife. I'm never late. Anything or anyone we depend on other than the Lord himself will ultimately hinder the development of our faith. And let me conclude this session from Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2. The psalmist said, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him 
comes my salvation. He only. Not he and someone else. Not he and something else. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. He goes on to say, my soul waits silently for God alone. He only is my rock. He repeats that. He only is my defense. I shall not be moved. We've got to come to the place where we trust God for everything. That's how your faith is developed. Amen. You need money, trust God. You need healing, trust God. Yes, you will falter, you will fail in the beginning. You will stumble, you will fall. Nobody, nobody does this perfect, but down the road, just like a little toddler, you know, struggling to find his feet, start walking, he falls, but he gets up again, falls, gets up again, until he masters the art of walking. Yeah, yeah. Amen? Yeah. Believe me, folks, the days are coming when those of us who don't know how to live by faith and walk by faith will find it very difficult to live in this present world. Amen. 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 So, Father, we thank you. We pray that you will teach us how to develop our faith. We pray that you will somehow enable us to make a quality decision to unplug from the world's lies and systems and learn to trust in you alone. We thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.